Hello and welcome to The Rundown, a weekly podcast from Politics Home. I'm your host Alan Tolhurst and each week I'll be taking an in-depth look at the biggest political stories with fellow Politics Home reporters and special guests from across Westminster. As energy bills skyrocket, the price at petrol pumps hits unwanted new records and the cost of the weekly shop keeps rising, the public are facing the biggest cost of living crisis in a generation. Last week the Chancellor announced a big new package of support that already calls for Rishi Sunak to go further this winter. While the billions in payments to households have failed to drown out the fallout from Sue Gray's report into the Partygate saga, with a number of Tory MPs saying they can no longer support Boris Johnson as leader. While the number of letters of no confidence edges slowly higher, polling suggests dozens of Conservatives could lose their seats next time round, prompting suggestions the PM could be replaced ahead of another election. To discuss all that and more this week, I'm joined by Politics Home's political editor, Adam Payne, and I'm delighted to say our guest this week is the Conservative MP and former Northern Powerhouse Minister, Jake Berry. And starting with you, Jake, we're sat in your office in Portcullis House. There's lots of other Tory MPs with offices nearby in these corridors. What's the mood currently like among your colleagues at the moment? Well, you know, we're in recess, so lots of colleagues aren't here and they're back doing what I will be doing, which is trying to enjoy the Jubilee in their constituency. Colleagues are really focused on getting the government to start to look again at its levelling up agenda, because all of the distractions aside, levelling up and the cost of living are the only show in town when you go back to constituencies and talk to your voters like I do in Rosnell and Darwin. Hmm. Obviously, you talked about the cost of living, stuff, the big package last week from, from the Transit and the Treasury. You know, is it going to be enough to fix some of those problems? Is it targeted enough at the less well-off? I would like to congratulate the Chancellor's team. I think they've done a, a really good job, I think, putting 400 quid back into everyone's pockets makes a, a big difference. And for actually those on some of the lowest wages in society, it'll be approaching £1,000. I think that is the right thing to do. But query, should he go further? Well, the truth is none of us actually know, do we? Yeah. Week by week, this changes. I wonder whether a bit later in the year, the government should have another look at that. It's absolutely clear that people in the poorest households pay the biggest proportion of their income in VAT than people who are relatively well off. So to me, that would be the next natural step. Although I think, frankly, it's too early to say whether he's done enough or whether he'll have to do more. Do you think perhaps it should have come a bit earlier? There was lots of calls. Obviously, they ended up doing, well, they didn't call it a windfall tax. They called it an energy levy or energy profits levy. You know, it's been called off for quite a long time. Do you think that they waited a bit too long to do that? Do you think they're still going to get the kind of the benefit as a Conservative Party and as a government for doing this now? Or do you think that it, they feel they've been sort of dragged into it a bit? Well, I think that's the, the, the beauty of making this direct payments to people. What I was always really clear about on behalf of my constituents in Rosendale and Darwin is, I wouldn't support anything unless you told me how the cash was going to get into their pockets. And I think that's what the Chancellor's team have demonstrated. I think the other thing with this cost of living, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say to your listeners that you ain't seen nothing yet, baby, because actually we're, in the moment we're in the fear of a cost of living crisis. Frankly, it's only just started, and that's why the government needs to stay light on its feet and definitely not close its ears to further changes, particularly to help the poorest in society. The Treasury line until recently, Alan, was they ideally wanted to save further measures for the autumn winter when the cap was going to go up again. We now know it's going up to 2800. It's going to be colder, more energy usage. Things are just generally worse yeah. for, for, for everyone involved. However, that line just didn't hold. Conservative MPs were going back to their constituencies, hearing from their constituents who were scared and were anxious about how, how they're going to pay their bills and that message was being relayed to Downing Street to the Treasury and as we saw last week the Chancellor Rishi Sunak came forward with what has widely been regarded 
when you look at the reaction of like think tanks and the sort of people we look to when we have these fiscal announcements and it's widely widely been seen as a generous package it obviously went further than the package brought forward earlier in the year yeah. and I guess the government now will be hoping that one that it has an impact it has a, a discernible impact on people's lives on their pockets and secondly that I think as well I think there was a feeling earlier in the year that the government perhaps felt it didn't get the credit that it wanted for what it announced it would be hoping for a bit more reward in that sense as well now now that Sunak has made available this pretty sizable package of financial support yeah, the focus, I guess, was on was on making more payments. Obviously, there are some Conservative MPs that would prefer to see that done in, in tax cuts rather than payments. There's a bit of a, a debate, obviously, at the moment between the different wings of the party, you know, over which route this should go down. W- what are your thoughts on that, Jake? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a mixture of both. But just picking up on the point about timing, which I think has been a big issue for the government, is I think the world's changed a bit after covid and we saw how quickly the government reacted. I think furlough we came up with in 24 hours. You know, we saw how forward-looking the government was on the vaccine programme, for example, in its rollout. And this idea that, you know, the world sort of holds its breath for a budget or a spring statement and an autumn statement and everything will wait till then, I don't think we're ever going to see that again. I think that feels really analogue, actually. And what people expect in this 24-hour media cycle is the government to react in real time to the challenges that they're facing. So I think, you know, the Treasury, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I don't think that line they initially took of, let's hold this back for a budget, or something looking like a budget, I just don't think it'll hold on any issue now. And I think that's a fundamental change in the way government can behave. And I, I, I just think all governments, including our own and the opposition, will be catching up with that for the years to come. Because the Treasury have always been dead against having more than one big set-piece fiscal event. Because obviously all the stuff that comes with it. But you think that with what's happening, and, and it's not as though this is going to go anywhere. And you soon we saw Andrew Bailey, the governor of Bank of England, say that you know things could be apocalyptic in the coming months, not even now. That actually that those days of just saving it for one fiscal event is just no longer a really... No, I don't, I don't think that can hold water anymore. I think it's a change in our politics. I think we're moving towards a more presidential system. It's not about big set pieces by various cabinet ministers. I think everyone looks to the top, the prime minister to give the lead, and they expect reaction in real time. I, I, I just think that's the way politics is going. Mm. So on, on levelling up then, obviously that's been a big push that you've been going for. Can you define it in, in a sentence? Do you think that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, can define it in a sentence still? No, I don't think anyone can because, you know, it's about enabling people to lead their best life and that means something different to every single person. What I would say is if you go around the communities of the north of England, you talk to people in towns like Darwin or Darlington or anywhere else... They know what it is when it arrives. And that's why the Northern Research Group and Northern Conservative MPs are so heavily pushing the government on delivery. Mm. Because it's all very well talking about things in politics. You know, we all waste a lot of time here in Parliament talking about things. What makes people's mind up about who they're going to support at elections, what actually changed their lives, is about delivering on those promises. Now we're two years out from the election, Jake. How would you assess where we are in terms of delivery and what has been delivered? Well, I think there's a huge wellspring of support still for the government in terms of the levelling up agenda because lots of people who voted Conservative for the first time in their life, they like to be proved right. We all like to be proved right occasionally, don't we? It doesn't often happen to me. So people are there sort of willing the government to succeed. And I think they also understand that in the middle of it, there's been a COVID pandemic where everything slowed down and, and stopped in many cases. I do think now is the time that we've got to 
change the pace of it. Going back to the point I was making about, you know, will things hold for a budget? People expect delivery now. They don't understand this sort of internal legislation and right around processes in Parliament. I'm sure your listeners will because they're political obsessives. But people want sort of real action now. And I think if you look back at the last three years, the pandemic, Brexit, where you saw the government at its best, light on its feet, focusing on the issues that matter and delivering, people expect exactly the same thing for the levelling up agenda. And I just hope that Whitehall, the civil service and ministers can deliver at pace. Is there a way of measuring essentially how successful levelling up has been? Because it doesn't feel as though if you look at with the white paper and, and the legislation that's coming from the Queen's speech, is there a way of really measuring whether you say people will know it when they see it? But if this is a big parliament long process, how are we going to know by the end of it whether it's been successful or not? Well, look, the legislation's important, and I don't belittle the uh, sort of parliamentary process. Actually setting out in law those goals of levelling up about improving education, improving where people live, enabling people to buy their own home, that's a really important mission statement for the government, and it's something actually ultimately that you have to do as a blueprint for the Whitehall machine to react to. Look, when will people know it's real? I think of the place I represent, I'm just a backbench MP, but in my own town of Darwin, this Jubilee weekend, we are pulling the the covers off our new skateboard park. We're unveiling Darwin's refurbished Jubilee Tower. We've got a brand new reinvested new changing rooms at our football club. People can see that. They experience it every day. Mm. And that's what I mean by delivery. And that's what the government really has to focus on. Is that the, maybe tension is not the right word, Jake, but you have something going on where levelling up as a long-term, delivering long-term structural change to our economy, which will take many, many years. But then before the next election, you and your colleagues who've been pushing levelling up in that agenda, you want to see sort of um, spades in the ground and things being built. You want things that are delivered before the next election. Is that a tension, do you think? No, no, I think they complement each other. But what we really want to see is that spirit of radicalism in the levelling up agenda, which is why the Northern Research Group, Northern Conservatives, Conservative Party members, voters, are all getting together at a conference in Doncaster because we believe that some of the best ideas, from splitting the atom to the invention of the steam engine and all the other things, which the North is awesome at, have and will come out of the North. And I think for the government's levelling up agenda, what it needs is the injection of some new and different ideas about how we can transform our communities. And by the way, it's not a secret. People who know best how to help themselves in Lancashire, Cumbria, Yorkshire, the North East, anywhere else, Cheshire in the north of England, they are the people who know what they want and what they need, much more than anyone sat in Whitehall. So getting those ideas out of Northern MPs and Northern Conservative supporters is a great way of reinvigorating the agenda. Mm. But there's been criticism that this government is sort of not really been able to implement that kind of broader vision, those those radical ideas. They've just kind of lurched from crisis to crisis, some of which of their own making, some of it very much not in terms of you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the, the pandemic. Do you think that the current Tory party, the government is able to actually deliver or is there a bit of a malaise at the moment? We're seeing obviously MPs suggesting they don't have confidence in their leader anymore. You know, is that is that the sort of party that's going to be able to deliver those things you talked about? Well, it's not just about one man. And, uh, you know, I know the Prime Minister Boris Johnson really well and I know no one gets levelling up like he does but it is about putting a team around him who focus actually in a really ruthless way on delivering levelling up in communities it's not you know that there aren't other things that the government needs to do but in my view there aren't things that matter as much as this 
and it needs to be a sort of a national mission, actually similar to the way we tackled COVID, you know, a national mission ambition to deliver for communities who have been left behind by successive governments, both Conservative and Labour. This isn't a party political problem. It's not politics. It's personal. I just want where I live to get better. And I think many people feel the same. When you said people around him, do you mean cabinet? Do you mean Whitehall? Is there a position you'd like well, to be created uh, or something? <laughs> or is there... Well, I mean everyone, really. What Political theory without implementation is an hallucination, isn't it? Mm. And actually if you talk to Northern MPs and Northern Council leaders who I spend loads of time talking to, is they just want to hear about the implementation because they want to go out and sell it. They want to go out and say to their supporters, look, actually, things are changing and things are changing. I mean, it's slightly unfair to say levelling up isn't happening anywhere. If you go yeah. to many towns across the north of England, there are there are things happening already. It may be that people don't focus on them in Whitehall. It's probably because they don't actually know about them. But for communities across the north, we're already seeing things improve. We just want to see more of it. We want to see it quicker. Mm. But do you think that Boris Johnson is the person to be able to, to lead that, given that a lot of your colleagues don't think that he is still the person that they want to lead them forward and take them into the next another election? Well, not all my colleagues may agree with me, but I think you know the Prime Minister is the right person to drive forward the levelling up agenda, not least because it's his agenda. And he got it as mayor of London. He transformed London. I want to see him do for towns across the north of England what he did for London, which was, uh, you know, make it the best city in the globe. So you're not be sending your own letter in to Graham Brady anytime soon? I don't think it's the job of Conservative MPs to undermine the Conservative Prime Minister. Right. But I mean, obviously, you know that lots of colleagues do. Do you think that, you know, we are going to hit that 54? Do you think there will be a vote of no confidence in him like there was his predecessor? No, I don't. I, I can't say you should ask those colleagues who are putting letters in, they might have a better idea. Obviously, you've got the by-elections coming up next month in Wakefield and in Tiverton and Honiton. Labour are quite bullish about taking back Wakefield and the, and the Lib Dems. We interviewed Ed David last week and he's very bullish about taking Tiverton and Honiton, despite there being a huge Tory majority last time out. How do you see those races going? Well, I mean, by-elections are always tough in midterms for government. We've had a Conservative government for the last 12 years. And, you know, if you went with the run of play, governments tend to lose by-elections. But one thing I'd say about the bullishness of the Labour Party and the confidence of Ed Davey, I'm surprised uh, if anyone knows who he is, but the confidence of Ed Davey is that voters are pretty cute. You know, they, they don't like being taken for fools or for advantage of or, or, or taken for granted is the word I'm searching for. And we've got really good Conservative candidates in those seats. They are going to be working really hard, putting forward a positive conservative message i'm going to wakefield next week myself to spend some time over there campaigning look my view is that parties who work the hardest can often win it's but even if it's going to be a surprise i think we stand a good chance in both hmm. obviously the point that critics are making is that obviously if you were to lose wakefield that's kind of a red wall seat you know if the lib dems were to take tiverton that would be a blue wall seat that's kind of chipping away at both ends do you think that they will see those Results if, if the Tories do lose them as sort of emblematic of where the party is going? Or do you think that, like you say, it's just by-elections no, in 12 years into a government? No, I, I think that by-elections often chip away at both ends and all ends. But, you know, governments then go on and win the next general election. That's the sort of rub of politics. Um, you know, they're one on their own by-elections, aren't they? And I don't think we can ever read too much into them. You talked about the fact it's mid-term. I think, I don't know what, what exactly your majority is in, in Wakefield. But do you think even if you remove party gear from the uh, equation and other issues that the contest would be it would be a similar challenge in the sense that mid-term mid-parliament with a small majority it'd be pretty difficult for the conservatives to 
keep hold of Wakefield? Well, I don't know. It's an impossible question because you can't know what you don't know, right? Mm. But what I would say is that in order to get back to our winning ways, the government needs to move beyond a lot of these challenges, both some of them self-inflicted, as we said earlier in this podcast, and really, really focus on the stuff that matters for them to people. Now, I'll tell you very directly in the Labour Party, when I was in the pubs in Rottenstall on a, on a night out this Friday, no one asked me whether I thought a woman could have a penis or not. No one even asked me whether I thought we should introduce uh, pounds and ounces either, I must admit. Um, <laughs> but I do know many how, how many pints were in a good night out, because it was a good night out. You know, they're focusing on real issues. Cost of living is king. And that's why I'm so pleased that Rishi's reacted and quickly to deal with that. And levelling up is just behind it. But in fact, the, the two are intrinsically linked. Because if you want to challenge the cost of living crisis in areas of the north of England, you just create a better and stronger economy so people have secure, highly paid jobs. And once you have a securely highly paid job, yes, the cost of living is a challenge, but it's just not quite as scary as it is now. And that's what we need to focus on to make sure we win the next election. Well, would you like to see the PM up in Wakefield? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll be going up there and campaigning, I'm, and I'm sure he'll be an asset to the campaign. That's interesting, because in a sense, it feels, I wouldn't say you're acting like you're complacent, because I don't think you are about going forward, but there's, there's a lot of people suggesting, you know, Tobias Elwood saying that the, the Tories are sleepwalking into defeat, and we spoke to a lot of MPs last week who said that the, the Partygate report was not enough to get rid of Johnson, but in a sense, it made people think that he's not going to be able to to carry on and to to take the party into the next election you know do you still think that after everything that's happened that in two years time he's going to be the person that you want on your front of your leaflets to win those seats that he won last time and to and to win further seats well what i want on the front of my leaflets are all the achievements that we have had in government in terms of leveling up and that's why you know, sorry to repeat myself, but that's why implementation is mm. key. Colleagues who are standing in marginal seats in the north of England, yes, I'm sure they'll want the Prime Minister on there, but trust me, they prefer to be stood next to a digger that is building a new sports centre in the centre of their constituency. That will garner them more votes than anyone on their leaflet. Even them, no one will even care if they're on the picture. It's when people go and say, my life is getting better. I voted Conservative for the first time in my life. I was right. I'm going to do it again. And that's where we need to get to. I am not complacent in any way. These seats in the north of England, they haven't suddenly become safe mm. conservative seats. They've just become competitive for us for the first time in 100 years in many cases. Yeah. So we will persuade people to vote conservative again by changing their lives for the better. In terms of implementation, Jay, just to really sort of pin down what you'd like to see in terms of to make implementation happen, do you think something needs to change within... Government? Does the apparatus need to be altered? Would you like to see a new ministerial position created? Like, why isn't implementation happening at the moment? What, what's missing? What's the missing ingredient? What's the what's the, well, the blockage? You, do you know what? My nephew's taking his GCSE English exam today, so I think I could probably write a, a whole essay for you on it in that exam. But very briefly, the things I think the sort of things the government should start to focus on is I think the Prime Minister needs to take implementation directly to himself. We've seen the creation of an office for the Prime Minister as part of the changes he made after the first uh, challenge around the lockdown parties. That needs someone in there who is ruthlessly focused on implementing the levelling up agenda. It needs real power. It needs to break down the silos in Whitehall. Frankly, if you want a new FE college in Darlington, you shouldn't have to go and have a conversation with the Department for Education, then the Treasury, then the Department of Transport to get the road built to it. You should just say, we're going to do it. That sort of cross-governmental working, that ability to rip through the civil service 
notebook of sort of reasons we can't do things is exactly what we saw in the COVID pandemic. It's actually what we saw in Brexit. And it's that sort of zeal for implementation and change that we need to see reignited at the heart of government. Would an MP doing that role or like an, an official? Who, would you like to do it? Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've not, I haven't been, you know, I, I'm, uh, I've not been offered a job. I, um, I I'm not sort of here on a, an extended interview. No, I think it's got to be a minister. It's got to be minister with real power. I think what we really need to see is a bit of a, a breakdown in the power of the the Treasury. My time as Northern Powerhouse Minister, one of the most frustrating things was that the Treasury had a sort of automatic veto. They didn't often use it. They just refused to give you an answer, which was the same thing. And I think that finding a way to break some of that power away from the Treasury may be a reasonable Whitehall reform if we're going to focus on implementation. And then the other thing, we need Whitehall reformed. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of moving uh, government departments out of London, but I don't think they should be setting up campuses in various towns and cities around the north of England. I think we should move the whole bloody thing up there. And uh, they could have a, they can have a campus in Whitehall. Mm. Have you offered this advice to the PM about how the apparatus of government could could be altered to well, uh, I'll improve? let you know. I think he's a big fan of this podcast, I hear. <laughs> so yeah, he's just been offered it. Sadly, that's all we've got time for this week. But you can read more on all the biggest Westminster stories at politicshome.com. And keep up to date by subscribing to our seven-day-a-week newsletters by clicking on the link in the top right-hand corner of the website. Thanks so much to our fantastic guest, Jake Berry, and to my colleague, Adam Payne. Our editor this week has been Laura Silver. Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date. If you've enjoyed it, then please leave us a review. And if you want to get in touch, then reach out to us on Twitter at Politics Home or email us via news at politicshome.com. But for now, have a great and extra long Jubilee weekend and be sure to listen again next week. I've been Alan Tolhurst and this has been The Rundown.